I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. And we are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast that covers the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics one astral bat issue at a time. So how's your week been, Mr. Flanagan? You can't escape the astral plane. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been it's been good. Uh what did I, oh, the, the George Carlin documentary on HBO, I'm, I'm sure it's 100 years old now, but totally worth checking out. Um, I learned a lot of things I didn't know about him, so that, that was cool. I need to see that. I, I actually was recently watching his him host the first episode of Saturday Night Live, because they have the first few seasons on Hulu. So, and, uh, th- those old episodes with the hosting are interesting, because it, it's... It's not like it's it like an is... episode of Seinfeld, yeah. Where yeah, like, he's not in the sketches. They just like cut back to him to like do do to talk to the audience, and then yeah, cut to the sketch. Yeah. yeah, so it's interesting, but I feel like that's the thing people forget about Carlin is that he was the first SNL host. You know what I think uh, people forget about that early Saturday Night Live. Because I've never heard anyone say this until I forget where I heard it, but I heard this recently and I was like, oh, my God, I never thought of that is I've always heard about how Saturday Night Live like changed television and you hear about how revolutionary it was. But the thing that people don't talk about a lot is one of the things it revolutionized was like everyone on Saturday Night Live was just wearing like normal clothes like like george carlin when he hosted wasn't in a suit you know and all the other variety shows of the era like you'd get like a johnny cash special or 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 what was the 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 brady bunch yeah someone would have a variety show and they'd wear these big like sparkly outfits and like they have things that you couldn't even wear out in public like not even like a late night talk show host with a suit i'm talking about like these like outlandish outfits and they were the first variety show to just basically be like we're not gonna do anything they were the nirvana of of late night all right they, they were the first ones to be like these are people that you could see out in the streets yeah, I think one of my favorite moments from the Carlin documentary is they do go into when he started and he was the suit and tie comic. And there was a variety show in the 60s that him and Richard Pryor were on together. And it's before either one of them were performing the way you're used to seeing mm-hmm. them. And it's just really kind of funny to see like just the two of them, I, I guess I would say, doing what they had to to fit in at the time. And it was just, yeah. just funny to me to see the two of them and be like, those are like two of the most important influential stand-up comics ever. And it's like, it's just funny to see them trying to play by the rules initially. <laughs> so, Well, similarly, I randomly this week saw an, a very, very early Dave Chappelle stand-up. Like, not even a special or anything, just like somebody was filming him, I guess. I don't really know where the footage originated from. But point is, like, very early on where he hadn't found his voice yet. And it was just so interesting to see him doing, like, very average material that I'm like, I've heard this from, like, other comedians. You know, it wasn't, I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying it's. it was interesting to see, like, Yes, everybody starts somewhere. He didn't come out of the gate being the greatest comedian ever. Not that I think that he is. He's up there. But anyway, um, 
he 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 didn't start as good as he is now. Like you can see if you look up this early footage, you'll you'll see it's just like he's just talking about stuff that you have heard other people talk about, and it's not necessarily that much better than what other comedians were doing. So yeah, it, it's crazy to see like they're all these people's like early careers and and it's almost reassuring to see everybody start somewhere. That's kind of why I love when like people like Jamie Lee Curtis don't shy away from the fact they started in horror movies. Cuz mm-hmm. I know like there are actors that do that and they're like, "Oh yeah, that stupid thing I was in when I was younger." And I give her and Jack Nicholson and, you know, I can't think of anybody else right now. Oh, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, all those guys credit for not dumping on like the horror movies they've been in. So it, you're right. It, it's it's kind of cool to see where people start before they get to where you know them. And these turtles that we know and love started on Mirage, but now they're on Image Comics. We're here to talk about issue 16 of the... Image Comics run way more than halfway through the run now. Yep. So the roller coaster, it's it's heading down towards the end. We're we're almost at the end of not almost at the end of volume three. We still got like ten issues to go, but we're more than halfway there. This issue is untitled, like the rest of them. Same credits, cover artist by Frank Fosco, story by Gary Carlson, pencils, Frank Fosco, inks, Mark Hickey. Lettering, Pat Brusso, and then IDW colored it. They gave the credit to some guy named Adam Gazowski. Uh, <laughs> who I, I have to say, um, it hasn't been brought up, but Adam Gazowski, kudos to you. Because, wow. Yeah, the coloring is amazing. Let's, let's talk about that for a second, because I just had an interaction on Twitter uh, this week, I think, where... But I posted something from the color classics and they were talking about how they don't like the colorized versions of the Mirage comics. But I had mentioned that the, I, I kind of agreed because the way they shaded those, they didn't really lend themselves to coloring very well. But I think the coloring job on the image comics. Beautiful. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So I would recommend I would recommend you read the black and whites for the original stuff, but the, definitely read the colors for this. I don't think you can get them any other way, though, <laughs> unless you buy the original printed comics. I'm curious. From the back now. issue bin. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Comicsology would have the black and white. Also, I'm not sure. So this this issue has a cover date of July 1998. So let's go take a look in the Wayback Machine. Hop in. Let's go see July of '98. This month in entertainment. So we got a lot of movies because, you know, summertime, summer movies, July of 98, blockbusters are all over the place. Armageddon came out. We teed that up last (laughs) week with Deep Impact. They came out about the same time. Lethal Weapon 4. So we're we're at the end of the Lethal Weapon series. Oh, I, I always forget that was like a summer movie. Madeline came out. I'm not sure if that was a theatrical release. Vaguely remember them doing that, but yeah, I don't think anyone saw this in theaters. But they probably all saw it when it was bundled with the Memento DVD, like I did. Pi, you know that that movie, like the symbol, the Pi, uh, Pi three point one four. I didn't know it got a theatrical 
release? I, I think it's like was a short, like limited theaters. Limited but run. This list is just movies that came out, and I picked the ones I recognize. They didn't. I don't think they all necessarily got theater releases. We also got Small Soldiers came out that month. That was There's July. Something about Mary came out that month. So changed comedy forever. Small Soldiers movie. is awesome, and uh, it. I never really liked There's Something About Mary. I like parts of it. I haven't rewatched it since like high school. <laughs> so it's I don't, one I don't of know if it holds movies up. movies where I've never understood why it did as well as it did when it came out. I really like the line, and nobody's going to guess this one. I wish this was quoted more from Something About Mary. Uh, I really like when... Um, Harold Harold Williams is that his name? Harlan, Harlan Williams. Sorry, I really like when he says it's like you're dreaming about gorgonzola cheese when it's clearly brie time, baby. <laughs> yeah, the scene with him I liked. <laughs> Chipmunks twirling like on a branch. Dreaming about gorgonzola cheese. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. Even even though I enjoy the Fairly Brothers, and I don't know, I just. But you can't deny that that is the movie that's at least credited with changing comedy for for the next at least 10 years from that point. Teenage comedies definitely start trying to do there's something about Mary. They they start going for that over the over the edge of what should be acceptable humor. So without something about Mary, you don't get American Pie, you don't get uh scary movie all right. Things so, like that. So, so it was the beginning of the re-raunch era. Yeah, the shock, the shock comedy era. Yeah. So, and it's it's funny cuz it's tame when you compare them to those movies, but when something about Mary came out, people talked about it like it was that crass. Yeah. So also that month Mask of Zorro, which Zorro, I got to stop saying the movies this way. I've got this thing I do with my voice and I don't like it. <laughs> That was a good so movie. Also that, also that month, Mask of Zorro. I remember wanting to get into Zorro super bad as a kid because my grandparents had the old Zorro movies on VHS and I watched them a bunch of times. He had his horse there, Tornado, uh, and, and he was very similar to Batman. Yep. More than I think most people realize. So I I thought Zorro was going to be my thing for a little bit. You know how... You know how everyone, like, when they're younger, they're like, this is going to be my thing. And people are going to know that I'm I'm, I'm, I'm super the this. Zorro guy. I think my thing wound up being Ninja Turtles. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It's too early to tell. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan came out this month as well. I'm telling you, this is a big month, man. So, yeah, that, that was the first R movie I saw in the theater. Bullets in the water. That's that sound. Um, guy looking for his arm. Here's a movie that I did not think came out. This movie feels like it should have come out three years before all of these. I don't know what it's doing this late in my life, but The Parent Trap. I thought that was mid-90s. That was late 90s? Exactly. Yeah, that was 98, man, according to this. let me. We do this every now and then. Let me do a live update and double-check a second source. Wow. Getting old. Yep, Parent Trap, 1998. Yep, 
Just confirming that it is the Lindsay Lohan one. Yep. And a movie that nobody saw in theaters. I don't know if it was even released in theaters, but I think lots of people saw it on home video after these two hit it big. Basketball, starring the South Park guys, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. I did not see that in the theater. I saw that when it premiered on a movie channel. And that movie, I would say, is more crass than there's something yeah. about Mary. We used to, that summer, that, that, we, we, that we this tried movie to play came basketball, out. didn't we? I hadn't seen the movie. Yeah, I hadn't seen the movie, but a friend of ours had. And we would play basketball out on the basketball yeah. court. Yep. I don't know if anybody else did. Basically, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, basketball is exactly what it sounds like. They combine they they play basketball with like baseball rules. You you hit you shoot from the the three point line. It's a triple. You move a little closer. It's a double. You move a little closer. It's a single. And the other person tries to get you to miss your your shot. Good times. I'm sure. That, yeah. Billboard number one songs. The whole month, the number one song was The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. The whole month. The boy can't be both of theirs. Well, he's mine, so back off. (laughs) Video games. WWF Warzone is on the Nintendo Power cover. Says power goes over the edge. Ah! In this issue. (laughs) It's funny because some of their covers are very simple and only have like a few words. Yeah. And some of them have tons of words. This is a tons of words cover. It also says Mission Impossible, Nintendo 64 undercover. Okay game. Not the best, but not as bad as I feel like the internet makes it out to be. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Preview for F-Zero X. Power Strategies for Mortal Kombat 4, Quest 64, which wound up being one of the only RPGs on the Nintendo 64, and a game, again, alright, here's my rant about Quest 64, because this is another game that people dump on. So, I think it's worth putting into context that Quest, this is what people miss about it, when they're like, this game is terrible. You got to keep in mind that it came out before Ocarina of Time. <laughs> it's oh. a Nintendo 64 world where that doesn't exist yet. So I literally remember playing that game. And one of the things the game gets heavily criticized for is like the world is empty. Like you go through these towns and all the rooms are empty and and there's nothing there and there's no people. Yeah. And I literally remember when I first played it just being content with the fact that you could explore a world <laughs> because Ocarina of Time and all these games that would eventually show what this could do hadn't come out yet. And I was just like, this is so cool. You can like explore all the houses. You can like go up and down the whole town. And it was just, it was just cool to walk in a 3d environment at that point. It's a game I'm hoping gets to the online service. I think it's got a good shot of going on there, and people are going to hate on it when it does show up there, but I'm telling you, if you if you put it in context, I'm not going to lie, even in context, it's still kind of an average game, but I think something people lose when they look at it is they forget to, they forget to remember there was a time where just walking around empty houses 
was, was a big interesting because <laughs> yeah. you'd never done it in a 3D environment before. Yeah. <laughs> TV events, July 13th, the Syphil and Ollie show premieres on MTV. Do you remember that one? It sounds familiar. It was like a show that like a certain type of high school student would watch. Uh, <laughs> they were sock puppets. That yeah, I remember that aspect of it that it was sock yeah. puppets. Very much like the Tom Green show audience type uh, type of deal or, or things like. I'm not yeah, proud of like it. That. All right. Yes, we fell into the Tom Green thing. At the time he had his moments. <laughs> uh, July seventeenth, family. This is an interesting one. Family Matters ends after nine seasons and 215 episodes. So I didn't Family know it Matters was still was, on. <laughs> he, exactly. Here you go. Family Matters was the last live-action scripted primetime show that debuted in the 80s to leave air. Oh, wow. It outlasted all other primetime network debuts of the 80s with the exception of The Simpsons. Wow. Yeah. So if you, if you, the only reason the Simpsons beat it is because of the caveat of live action that right. they put in there. But yeah, it outlasted everything. And I forgot until I looked up this this trivia thing here. It had its last season on a different network. And once I I read that, I was like, "Oh yeah." It, so it was on TGIF obviously forever. Yeah. And then its last season, for some reason, they sold it or whatever. It was on CBS for its last season. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Wow. I do. And then there was no Saturday Night Live because it's July. So let's let's start talking about this comic book. So Pulling you, up the cover. You can find this on Comixology and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Urban Legends Volume 2. I don't think they're legends. I believe that all really happen. <laughs> I'd agree. So the cover is an acid trip where there's a giant bat dangling Leonardo kind of like you would. What what would you even eat this way? Nobody really eats this way. It's, it's kind of like when you see royalty eating grapes, I guess. And they dangle them above their yeah, mouth. Yeah, usually it's their, the person they hired to be the grape feeder doing it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't really think of an example of what... Because nobody eats this way. But you see it dramatically done sometimes. Usually when it's a monster about to eat something. Which is what this cover is. <laughs> it, again, it it's... I think the original cover is pretty cool in comparison to the reprint. And the the other turtles are just kind of trying to fight him off. Yeah, so let's let me flip over to the reprint here. It's sandwiched in between all these pages. There we go. So the reprint kind of looks like it would be like an album cover for like a metal album. <laughs> the bat is screaming in the middle of the four astral plane turtles and you know it's the astral plane because they're blue yes this is true um blue dabu diba dabu dabu diba what a time that that could be a number one song <laughs> <laughs> bring it back guys so let's dive into this book 
Leonardo, he's ninjaing his way across the rooftops, doing his internal narration that he's known for. Because this this volume stays consistent with giving him, specifically him, that narration. I don't know if it's because they think it's like a throwback to the first issue, or if it fits him better, or... I, I only notice it when it's him. I don't, I don't know. I really enjoyed that they did it again, though. Like, I don't know. I <laughs> It gives it more of a Ninja Turtle-iness to me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's something that all the volumes kind of tap on at a certain point. So, good for them. So, this is basically... I mean, this whole issue, let's be honest, is a recap issue. Yeah. It's not it's not quite to the point where it's like a clip show. It's almost <laughs> but, though. But a lot of conversations in this issue are to catch up new readers who are just jumping on. Well, I guess they don't know it's halfway into the run cuz they probably don't know when it ends yet, but it, we're 16 issues in. There might be people who just started reading, you know, at issue 12, maybe they need to know what's going on. So yeah, it's basically a recap that he's giving us here. He, I mean, they're good at that, though. I mean, I feel like the other volumes didn't do this as often. Like, Volume 2, I don't think ever did it. Or, I can't remember Volume 2. It's a blur. <laughs> I don't remember Volume 2 ever taking a moment to be like, oh, hey. So mm-hmm. I think once or twice they did, but certainly not as often as Image but is doing it here. I don't feel like Volume 2 needed to do that because there was literally two story arcs. So. so Leonardo is saying the Shredder is back or someone else doing a darn good impression of him. And he talks about how he went to the Foot Clan headquarters and there were bodies everywhere and ninjas that were shot by bullets. So it wasn't ninja on ninja fighting. Bullets were involved. <laughs> he thinks that Shredder came back somehow. He thinks that he came back and captured Raphael and Master Splinter. Somehow, Oroko Saki returned. <laughs> yeah, some, some Rise of Skywalker thinking he's doing here. We, as the reader, know that who he thinks is Shredder is Raphael in Shredder's uniform. But... He says that Michelangelo found a new Foot Clan hideout and left a message to meet Leonardo here, but unfortunately, this isn't Michelangelo waiting. It's a trap. It's Shredder. That's his dialogue, his internal monologue. And then I like that they did this on a page turn. You yes. turn the page, and then you wash your hands. You turn the page, and it's a nice reveal of Leonardo jumping at who was actually sneaking up on him, which is Donatello. In the new robot armor. Yep. And apparently the robot armor started looking like Shredder because he was thinking about Shredder. So it subconsciously adjusted itself. That's the explanation Donatello gives. Which he's clearly just making it up as he goes along. He's like, I don't know. I was thinking about Shredder. So it must have just made me Shredder. <laughs> and they just, they just, they just yes and they improv their way through it. I feel like uh, the, the longer Donatello has been a machine, the less scientific he becomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and here it starts becoming really clear that they're going for like a venom symbiote yeah thing with the cyborg armor it starts at this point in the comic it's not the first time it's mutated and he certainly used the the hand where he turned it into a cannon and then a, i think we called it a final fantasy sword yep. at one point like He's definitely done that, but from here on out, he's going to start doing the rest of his body and a lot more of it. And Venom was the biggest thing in comic books at the time, so of, of course they're going to ape the, the ape off of that success. So Donatello mentions he's been having trouble controlling the armor since the CPU was destroyed, which is more stuff filling the reader in on what's been happening. And when we point that out, I should just let the listeners know. We're not saying that's a bad thing. It's just uh, I'm I'm just pointing out like, hey, look what they're doing here. It's nice that they're letting the new readers know what's going on. And they do it. And most of the time they do it in a natural way. That's what is impressive to me about it is that they've been able to maintain that. They haven't had to do the big two thing of here's an asterisk and here's the issue we're talking about. So I, I think or, that's cool. Or what Marvel comics has been doing lately where the whole first page is a recap. And what I hate about that is like, you'll read amazing Spider-Man and the whole first page is a recap of what you need to know for the issue. But the whole first paragraph is always like Spider-Man's origin story. And it's like, <laughs> is there really anyone reading this who doesn't know Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive spider? Guys, guys, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, that's great, Steve. It's great. So he's having trouble controlling the armor because the CPU is destroyed. The two are interrupted by Michelangelo saying, Will you buttheads keep it down to a low roar? Do you want to alert the Foot Clan that we're here? I really love that he used the word the buttheads because it's like he's like Biff from Back to the Future for a second. He's like, you buttheads keep it down. Nobody says buttheads anymore. So it turns out Michelangelo's tip wasn't a trap. He really did find a new Foot Clan headquarters. And he points at an abandoned theater across the street. Donatello mentions that they used to practice their ninja skills sneaking into that theater to watch porno flicks, which totally was out of left field. So <laughs> took me out of the book. Yes. I love the, oh, hey, remember when we were kids and we'd go watch kung fu flicks and practice our moves and then and then later on we'd sneak into pornos and i was like all right that that just kind of took a sweet moment and made it a little icky and i'm not sure if they did this because it's image comics right or if they did it because it's the 90s or both (laughs) but either way it, it takes me out of like it's unnecessary guys come on i i i want I want um <laughs> it's it's like having, I want my turtles asexual. I'm just going to throw it out there like or at least like like when Mikey has like a crush on another mutant or something. I don't know. I just don't like this. Whatever this is, I don't like it. It's like if in Batman the Monarch Theater became a porn theater and like Bruce went there before he became Batman. <laughs> <laughs> my parents died here and I used to go to dirty movies. <laughs> When I was visiting them on the anniversary of the death. (laughs) 
So they get out the old binoculars, or Donatello has them built into his skull, I guess, and they, they see some elite guards on the roof. Which was a and nice really throwback. Cool. Yeah, it's nice that they're keeping the elite guards from the first volume. I think City at War is where they first showed up. Yep. Right? Yeah. Probably. So the the turtles, they spring into ninja action, and they take the elite guards down, and they put on their uniforms, which, if you don't remember, these are the, the elite guards are the ones we said look like, they look like they have a trash can as a helmet. It's, it's this, you know, it's obviously like ancient Japan aesthetic, but that's what it looks like to me. I like this moment, too, during all this where Leo's like, oh, yeah, Pimico, remember her? Like, they've even forgotten about the antagonist they created for this version of Turtles. Well, they mentioned her offhand also like two or three issues ago, and I'm wondering when is she showing up again? Because now it's, you know, it's it's like Beetlejuice. They've said her name twice now. <laughs> Next time they say it, she's going to be here. Aha! So inside the theater, Raphael is wearing the Shredder armor, and he's overseeing the training of these new Foot Clan new hires, these new recruits. <laughs> Welcome to Foot Clan Day. They passed the background test and the drug test, and they, they were all hired. You, <laughs> you've passed. You can crime now. So his brothers, they're sneaking up in the rafters, and they still don't know it's Raphael in the Shredder armor. So they're looking at him, and, and Splinter, who's in that Batman cage we mentioned last episode, he's in the cage next to Raph. It seems like it's such a and then pain we, to drag that around everywhere. <laughs> so then... I didn't notice that he he snuck in without the... I guess Donatello doesn't have the elite guard armor on, which I didn't even notice until this panel. And he does the thing where his costume is basically the Venom symbiote now and transforms into like an elite guard uniform. So they're going to they're gonna start doing that more. So as the three brothers start going towards Raphael and Splinter, Splinter starts freaking out. Bat Splinter. Scree. He he and his little he and his little bat cage are screaming. Scree! Death! Splinter smells more demons. He smells them coming. So Splinter starts screaming about intruders, demons, kill them. And the turtles have to fight off the Foot Clan recruits now because, you know, the alarm, the bat signal has gone off. (laughs) (laughs) Then we finally get some Michelangelo internal narration. It's not Leonardo this time. So the the three split up. Love the transition. Michelangelo's fighting the. Yeah, he's fighting the Foot Clan. Leonardo's going to go for Shredder, who he thinks is Shredder. And Donatello says he's going to protect Splinter. And there's some good nunchuck action. Get some sound effects for you. I know you like the sound effects. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wham, thunk, whoomp. So I have a note after all this Mikey stuff that just says, so I guess Donnie can do whatever the story needs now. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. 
Eventually, Michelangelo's trash can hat gets knocked off, and the Foot Clan recognize that he's a Ninja Turtle, and they all kneel to him and start worshipping him, and he's like, what the heck is going on here? But before we get that answer, which we already know, because we know they're worshipping Raphael, uh, we cut away to, like, meanwhile, while that's happening, and as much as... We said at the time we don't need more Leonardo versus Raphael stuff. If the CGI TMNT movie was more like this, I think it would have been more on board. Like, instead of being the Night Watcher, imagine if Raphael was a fake shredder in that movie and they did some sub story oh. about him, like leading the Foot Clan. And the confrontation with Leonardo and him in the shredder uniform would have been way cooler than the Night Watcher thing they had going on. Yeah, I'm not sure. It, it's, I'm still not sure how I feel about the reveal. Like, Well, I'm just saying picture the TMNT. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Stay yeah, yeah, with yeah, me but... on that for a second. Like, that that, that would have been way better. Because the Shredder armor, it's a cool design. It's mm-hmm. iconic. And I, I don't know. I just Actually, picture that rain rooftop fight if he was a Shredder that was secretly hanging out with the foot clan and it would have fit in with the story too because karai in that cgi movie isn't too much of a villain so i don't know just throwing that out there it would have alternate universe if they could have worked that into the story it would have been way cooler but like you said in this comic the reveal it's kind of weird um he recognizes leonardo's voice yeah and then he just starts laughing yeah and I don't know. I really like the lettering they did on the laughing. Like they went for like the big ha 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 sound effect letters and they could have easily made it like a dialogue balloon. It's it's a good moment. It's just I I don't know if it just comes out of nowhere almost because I'm expecting a Raph Leo like throwdown. Yeah. So maybe it's just that I get kind of caught off guard where it's just like <laughs> it's you and it's like what what it's like oh it's you did you like the lettering because i know that you're yeah big on sound effects yeah i i definitely like how they did that that was a nice touch to the whole thing i feel like that's something modern comics don't do enough they don't switch up the lettering and sound effect lettering is kind of going away like it, it's definitely not as common as it used to be and I don't know. I think a modern comic w- wouldn't have done these ha ha's this way. I don't know what they would have done, but I don't. Th- I think this feels very of the era, and I like it. It's 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 a really good panel. So Raphael says that he recognizes Leonardo's voice. Like I said, they have a laugh together. Then Michelangelo comes over and says, "Leo, Raphael, will somebody please tell me what's going on here?" And he gets more filling in. This is more for new readers. So, like I said, this this is the equivalent of a clip show, this issue. Because this is like the third time that they've done a big let's fill new readers thing in. Um, Raphael talks about how he saved the Foot Clan from a gang war. They've The, the Foot Clan has now accepted him as the new leader. The brothers start talking about how they're going to cure Splinter. So it's a recap of the fact that Splinter was mutated, double mutated into a bat. 
they talk about the rabies thing for a little bit. Yeah, I thought that was weird that they suddenly brought that up again because I had forgotten about the rabies part. Yeah, he's got this... Uh, Leonardo mentions that he's carrying the rabies serum since he faced Splinter in Midway City and because it worked on the the victims that uh, that Splinter attacked there. And it's, it's just kind of funny that he's like, I've just been carrying this ever since. And I'm like, where? I, I guess where your swords go? It's, it doesn't look like a thing he'd be carrying. <laughs> but I don't think we can start calling shenanigans on no, that. Or no. we'll be, there's a lot of instances, I think, of Ninja Turtles. They need more pouches. It's the 90s. Yeah. Pouch these turtles up. Yep. <laughs> they don't have to be covered in pouches like 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 cage or like you know uh um cable um they don't have to cover them that bad see that was the image thing is they're like everyone's got pouches they're not gonna have any (laughs) and then we introduced chang yes chang well we don't introduce we don't he's been in the comics before he's not introduced but i mean we introduce him into this issue so chang um, Raphael mentions he's the one who cured him after Splinter bit him and, and sent him in the astral plane, which I don't think we've called attention to on the, on the podcast here. So, you know what? Remember this. I'm going to bring this uh, up in a little bit. Remember the part where Splinter attacked Raphael and sent him to the astral plane. Okay. That was from a few issues ago. going to bring that up again in a sec. So, basically, the reason... They haven't been able to cure Splinter is because he's resisting the cure and he's he's too strong. But the four brothers together might be strong enough to get the cure going. So what they need to do is put Splinter to sleep with magic dust that they blow in his face, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, like he's the Sandman from Ghostbusters. Scree. And the, the four of them need to meet him in the astral plane. Donatello is understandably nervous about this plan because he almost died in the astral plane twice. (laughs) He got lost in there once, couldn't figure out where he was. And then another time he got lost and couldn't find his body. He's not looking forward to going back. He just got back. So (laughs) it's like, yeah, we got to go back in there. What? Michelangelo is also a little nervous about it, but Raphael and Leonardo kind of talk him into it. So for like literally two panels, Donatello's like, I'm going to sit this out. And then he says, I give up. I'm in. It sounds like you're going to need my help, which is it, it's kind of like a pacing issue to me. I'm yep. like, look, if you don't have the room to make this hesitation work, don't, don't put even it in. Bother. Yeah, because <laughs> he's like, I'm not doing it. And then two panel, literally two panels go by, and he's like, okay, it sounds like you'll need my help. I'll do it. Yeah. So Chang begins his ritual with the four turtles. They travel to the astral plane to find Splinter, who's still hissing and calling them turtle demons. Scree. And then the, la- the last three or four pages is this fight in the astral plane. Everything is blue and white and... I mean, if you're reading the color version, uh, (laughs) not in the black and white. So occasionally Chang is like checking in on the turtles in this weird bubble where his head's like floating. 
and he says things like, Donatello, what's transpiring there? He's calling into the astral plane. He's Clippy from the Microsoft. He's just popping in to see if anyone needs help. (laughs) It looks like you're battling a mutated mentor. (laughs) Would you... (laughs) Would you like to make a resume? Eventually, Raphael uh, stabs Astral Bat Splinter in the back with his sigh, and Splinter drops. So after checking in on Donatello, who had fell during the fight, and this is all in the Astral Plane, yep, not real, Raphael checks on Splinter, and we see that he's back to his old rat self, but he's still got the sigh stuck in his back, and the, the issue ends with Raphael cradling Splinter in his arms and Raphael's crying. And it really seems like this might actually end up killing Splinter. Now, normally we try not to spoil the next issue, but I think something that's worth noting about the image comics run here, I'm going to spoil. So if you don't want it, skip ahead a minute or something. This is what I was saying earlier that I I was going to go back to. You remember when there was the issue where it ended with Splinter standing over Raphael and he had like a pitchfork that he was about to drive yes. in Raphael's face. Yep. And it says like splat or whatever is the last panel. Like it definitely looks like he kills Raphael. Yep. And then the next issue starts and Raphael's just like in bed uh, with some Poisoned. bandages. Poisoned. Exactly. I feel like this cliffhanger does, does the, the same, same thing. thing where they leave you on this thing where it looks like Splinter's definitely dead. And then spoiler for next week, we see him pretty much fine, like recovering, but he's, he's just like sitting in a chair next issue. Just like, Oh, I'm still recovering from that whole ordeal. Remember when I was dying in your arms on the last page? <laughs> that of was last crazy. Issue? Like I'm better now. <laughs> um, I feel like they leave out big chunks of story doing stuff like that. There's a few of these cliffhanger endings that are actually cheats. It's not a cliffhanger. They don't pick up where this leaves off next time. They kind of skip ahead a little bit. Yeah. So there's a moment. I I feel like it's a cheat. During this whole fight, I hate where before Raph stabs Splinter, he has this really terrible joke of calling him Master Spinkter. And it just completely took me out of it. Like, to have that, that shows, and to end it with him upset cradling his master and father is just like, <laughs> it, I don't know. It just doesn't gel for me. And I, I'm i sure it's a, hey, we're image, and <laughs> but I don't know. It just it doesn't work for me at all. I don't feel like any version of Raph would say anything like that. That shows that Wayne's World was still big in the consciousness in 98. Okay. It's a, it's a very Wayne's World line. But yeah, you're right. It ends on this dramatic moment, which is why I hate that it's a cheat. It's like right. Raphael's crying. He's got tears running down his face. He's saying, Leo, Mike, anybody help me, please. He's crying. And then next issue, Splinter's just in a chair. He's fine. He's like, I'm, I'm over it. I'm recovered. You guys give me a pack of smokes while you're out there. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into these ratings and titles. What do you got for me, Sean? What did you think of this issue? This clip show of an issue? 
so I gave this a 2.9, so it's the second lowest Ooh. of image. Just because it feels like the astral plane became a crutch, and they just were like, oh, we gotta wrap up this splitter thing, and I don't know, it just doesn't feel like much effort was put into the storytelling aspect of it. So it's not a... Well, it's a big percentage of the story, too. It's five pages yeah. at the end that they're in the astral plane fighting the bat. So like we said last time, I feel like this stuff should have been resolved by this point. Yeah, I mean, it's. I gave it a three. It's a middle-of-the-road issue. It's It's obviously meant to catch up new readers, which isn't a bad thing. Like we said, so that's why I'm not giving it like a bad, I'm not giving it like a one, but it's the middle of the, it, it's perfectly suited for what it's trying to do is it spends the first like six or seven pages catching up new readers. Mm-hmm. Then it kindly has a kindly, it kind of has some <laughs> character moment for like three pages. And then it sends you into an astral plane fight that goes on a little too long. So that's, that's my thoughts on the issue. I gave it a three. What was your title? Uh, so I, I was also feeling unoriginal, so I just called it Astral Scree. <laughs> My title was Attack That Astral Bat. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's uh, pretty much everything I've got to say about this issue, though, this not there's not a whole lot of meat on this bone. I'm I'm hoping that it's kind of plateaued out at the bottom and we're heading back up at least a little hill now story-wise. Well, people didn't know it at the time, but there's only 7 issues left as far as what was coming out by Image Comics. Yep. Yeah. And the story went unresolved for like a decade, maybe more. I think more, yeah. And basically, for those of you who don't know, I think we mentioned it on the podcast, IDW, when they reprinted the story, the story didn't get an ending. Seven more issues came out, and then it was just canceled, and then they started Volume 4, which starts the continuity over. It doesn't continue this. Mm -hmm. So eventually, when they published this under Urban Legends... They gave it an ending. So three of the issues will cover it. The, the last three issues in this season are going to be the what the ending should have been. But it didn't get published back then. So that'll be interesting uh, when we have to do like the this month in entertainment for those. <laughs> I, I do be whenever this volume was published. I like the creative. They brought the team back, let them finish their story. Like, I thought that was great, no matter how you feel about this run. Yeah, absolutely. And forever, there was a fake ending that fans made on the internet that you can probably still find. And if we can find it, we'll do it on the show. Because why not? (laughs) It's kind of canon, so sure. So, yeah, Image Comics, it's, it's... where that timeline diverges you either go this way or the other way you either go volume three or volume four you can't go both and then they both ended a brick wall anyway and we start <laughs> completely over at idw okay thank everybody for listening 
As always, you can find us on Twitter at TMNT Nerds. We have a Gmail account, TMNTNerds at gmail.com. And you know what? How about you go check out, if you're into video games, we have a new podcast called Nintendo Therapy, which you could go search anywhere you get this podcast. Nintendo Therapy is going to be there too. And it's Sean and I doing weekly news updates on whatever's going on in the world of Nintendo, as well as right now we're reviewing all the different Nintendo Switch Online games. So go check that out, Nintendo Therapy, and we'll see you back here next week for more Image Comics Ninja Turtles.